Okay, uh, please read with me. So, Romans chapter 6, verse 12 to 23. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and offer every part of yourself to Him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. What then shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under the grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourself to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves of sin, slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. Verse 19. I am using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations, just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing weakness. So now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Okay, I will pray for Nicholas as he is going to uh, explain this passage to us. Let's pray. Uh, dear Father, thank you for uh, having Nick to uh, explain this passage for us. Father, we thank you for his preparation and his faithfulness to you. And Lord, may you be with him and be with us as we listen to your word. May you grant us understanding and clarity. We ask all this in your son's precious name. Amen. Hi everyone. Uh, it's nice to nice to see all of you here again today. I uh, hope Ruel doesn't distract us too much today. Yeah. Yeah. So um, anyway, uh, Ruel is a bit. It's a bit important to to my introduction. So actually, when when Collie was in labor, uh, I was sitting beside her, and I was reading a book. I was reading a spy novel, in fact, because I mean, Ruel took like the whole day to come out, right? So I mean, nothing to do. Yeah. So anyway, this book, uh, the main character was a Russian spy. She so she used to be a uh, Russian spy, so she used to serve Russia, uh, but she defected to serve an American boss. So serving this uh, new American boss means that she had to stop Russia, uh, stop serving Russia. And serving this American boss means that uh, in the book she had to sabotage uh, an, an uh, uh, Russian naval base to stop an invasion of Ukraine. Yeah, it actually sounds like quite realistic, right? Invasion of Ukraine. Yeah, and she did. She did that. You see, what uh, how we serve depends on depends on who's our boss. How we serve uh, depends on who's our boss. 
It's like this a sign I saw, I heard about outside a church. It says, life is like a tennis game. It's all about how you serve. Yeah, it's all about how you serve. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, it's not just, I mean, how, how you hit the ball, but how you, uh, serve, how the, who you serve, how you serve. That's true, isn't it? That's what we see in Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6 is about how we serve God, not how we serve sin. If serving God is so important, then you and my, then you and I really must do it well. How can we do that? Verse 12 tells us, Therefore, uh, do not let uh, sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. The therefore here is uh, really, really important. So you see the word therefore, uh, what comes after the therefore is normally like the conclusion uh, of what, is, what Paul is saying. So Paul's conclusion is, verse, is in the rest of verse 12. Don't let sin reign in your mortal body. But how did Paul arrive at this therefore? How did Paul arrive at this conclusion? Oh, what we've seen in the whole book of Romans is that God sees you and I as sinners. He sees us as lawbreakers. We can't keep God's law. We, we are, we are all God's enemies. But God shows us, His enemies, shows us, uh, great undeserved favor, great grace by forgiving our sins. So by God's grace, we have been forgiven of all our sins. So even if you sin like this much, God's grace always covers. God's grace is always more than our sin. And last week we saw that even though this is the case, right? Sin this much and grace is always greater than it. Than it that is no excuse to keep on and on in our sin. By God's grace, we have died to that old way of life. We have died to that uh, sinful way of life. So if you just look one verse before this passage in uh, chapter 6, verse 11, uh, Paul says, In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. We have died to sin in Jesus. And as Jesus was raised from death to life, you and I now have new life. So since we have uh, died to sin, since we have been raised to new life, therefore, therefore, verse 12 says, therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. How does sin reign or how does sin rule over, over us? Isn't sin the thing that, uh, that we do that offends God? Well, sin reigns, sin rules in our life when we sin. So when we sin, verse 12 tells us that we obey sin, uh, sin's evil desires. You obey sin by committing more and more sin. But you might, you might say, how can anyone be like that? How can anyone keep uh, sinning more and more and more? Isn't it just the serial killers who, who are like that, who, who kill one person and another and another? Well, friends, Sin used to rule your life. Sin made you think that it's okay. It's okay to live however you want. And sin made you think that life is okay without God. Sin also uh, made you think that you are the master of your own life. Even though, actually, sin was the master. But now as Christians, if you believe in Jesus, we have left sin behind. We've left the old master behind. So don't let the old master come back and rule your life. Instead, let the new master rule your life. Let God rule your life. Serve God. Offer yourself to God. Do what pleases Him. And that's what Paul says in verse 13. Uh, let me read for us. Uh, 
Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. Offer yourself to God. But this verse has a very interesting phrase. Instruments of wickedness or instruments of righteousness. What does uh, Paul mean by instruments? Well, instruments is like a tool, uh, like a, like for example, that's a knife, like a knife. So the instrument is like a knife, something that you, people use to do things. So let's say, let's say, uh, Cheryl here, yeah, has a set of Ginsu knives. You know, those sharp, sharp Ginsu knives. And I'm sure she, she's a very nice person. So she has a set of knives, uh, to cut vegetables, cut meat, to cook for us, right? And let's say uh, someone comes along uh, and says, tell us Cheryl, Cheryl, I see that you have a very nice set of sharp Ginsu knives. Can I borrow your, your knives? And Cheryl asks, uh, why do you want to borrow my knives? This person says, oh, because, uh, well, it's this guy at the office, I have a problem with him. <laughs> yeah, so Cheryl, uh, will you lend him your knives? You, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, I think she should say no, right? No, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, see, Cheryl will not lend uh, this murderer her knives. Cheryl's knives are for kitchen use only. Cheryl's knives must do what Cheryl wants. Similarly, uh, in verse 13, you and I are the instruments or the tools or the knives. So verse 13 tells us, don't offer any part of yourself to sin uh as an instrument or knife of wickedness. And in the last bit of verse 13, offer yourselves to him uh, as an instrument or knife or tool of righteousness. Because we belong to God, we must do what God wants. We don't, we don't belong to sin. We don't need to do what sin wants us to do anymore. Friends, you have a choice. You must choose who you offer yourself to. So don't choose don't offer any part of yourself as uh, uh, to sin, as a knife of wickedness. Don't let sin use you. Don't don't even offer a single part. Don't even offer like your pinky or something. Don't offer a single part to commit more and more sin. Instead, offer every part of yourself to God as a knife or a tool of righteousness. Obey God. And do what He wants. Offer every part of you for God's use. Every part. That means uh, let God use your tongue. Let God use your time. And even let God use your handphones. Uh, So let's uh, think about uh, our tongue first. What will it mean for you this week to offer your tongue uh, for God's use? It will mean that you cannot use your tongue to slander, to gossip, or to insult someone. That's offering your tongue to sin. You might offer your tongue to God this week by apologizing to someone for how you've hurt him. Maybe you should use your tongue to tell someone about Jesus this week. What about, uh, how, how, what about our time? How do we offer our time to God? Well, what will it mean for me to offer my time uh, for God's use this week? Well, it will mean that uh, we can't use our time at, at work to slack off while you're working. That will be offering our time to sin. 
Offering our time to God means that we have to be diligent during office hours. Maybe it also means that you can use that time on the bus, I mean, on from wherever, uh, on the way home, to pray for people, uh, maybe from uh, this service or maybe other Christians around the world. Or maybe it also means setting aside some time each day uh, to read the Bible. Offer your time to God. And what about our handphones? So uh, this week I, I read somewhere that we spend about 90 minutes, minutes a day on our handphones, either on Facebook or calls or WhatsApp. So what will it mean for you to offer your handphones to God this week? Some time ago, I read this article. It's called Letter to Teens Unboxing Their First uh, Smartphone. Yeah, so it's, it's, a, it's quite a good article. You can find it on Gospel Coalition. No, no, uh, Desiring God. Desiring God. Uh, so it says that one way we offer our, our phones to sin is uh, to use it to boost our own popularity uh, on Facebook, on Instagram. Because we want people to like us, because we want to be popular. So friends, you might offer uh, your, your handphones to sin if you do that. But offering your handphone to God means that you, maybe it means that this week you can send an encouraging SMS uh, to someone who's struggling. Uh, maybe it means that you can download a prayer app uh, to pray for others. But why should we offer ourselves to God? Why does it matter? Why why do we need to even offer my handphone? Like, isn't that isn't my handphone like my personal my personal handphone, right? Let's see what let's see what uh, verse fourteen says. So verse fourteen says. For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. You are not under the law, but under grace. And what does that mean? Not under the law, but under grace. Okay, so great, uh, law is like the uh, old era, like the previous time, the previous time where we could not keep uh, God's law. We couldn't help but uh, break God's law. You couldn't help but break God's law because you and I, we are all sinners. So it's just a, a song that goes, uh, I can't help falling in love with you. You know, you know that song? Okay. Well, if you, if you don't know, that means you're quite young. Very good, very good. Yeah, so, but our song uh, should be, I can't help sinning and breaking God's law. That's because we're all sinners. But even though there's, we're sinners, there's hope for us. There's hope for us. There is a new era. This new era under grace. Where God shows us His grace and His favor uh, through Jesus Christ. So one way to think about it is about how um, you and I are no longer under the old era, uh, under, let's say, Japanese occupation. So we don't have to sing the Japanese national anthem. We don't have to bow down uh, to, to Japanese soldiers. You and I now live uh, in the new era, uh, as Singaporeans. So live as Singaporeans, not as people uh, occupied by the Japanese. So Christians, you and I belong to this new era by grace, under grace. Not to the old era uh, under the law where sin was our master. So offer yourself completely to God. Do what pleases God, your master. Do what pleases sin. You are no longer under law but under grace. Well, if uh, you'll be listening carefully, you might think, hmm, 
so I'm free from the old era, right? The law. So can I now break the law because I'm no longer under the law? Can I now sin because I'm no, no longer under the law? Uh, or phrase it like what verse 15 says. What then? Shall we sin because we are, we are not under the law but under grace? Yeah, so for example, Singapore uh, bans chewing gum and bubble gum. But I'm sure all of you have chewed chewing gum and bubble gum before, right? <laughs> yeah, so once you, actually once you cross the causeway, once you take a flight out into another country, you can chew all the gum you want. You're free uh, from the law in Singapore to chew gum. Uh, fr- that prohibits, prohibits you from chewing gum. So similarly, if Christians are free from this old, from this law, from this old era of the law, can we sin freely? Paul says, by no means. Yeah. By no means. No way. No way. But why not? If I'm not under the law, why can't I offer myself to sin? It's because you have a new master. You see, we have two options in life. There are two masters. Now, who are these two masters? Well, let's look at uh, verse 16 to see uh, who are these two masters. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. So firstly, the first master we see is master sin. So verse 16 says, whether you are slaves to sin which leads to death. Master sin was there in that old era under the law. Master sin wants his slaves to obey him. He wants his his slaves to obey him to sin. So even if uh, you might think that people obey themselves, actually, people are obeying master sin. And at the end, God will give all those who follow master sin death, eternal death. That's how following master sin uh, in verse 16 says leads to death. But secondly, there's another master. That is master obedience. Verse 16 says, whether you are slaves to sin, a little bit later, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. Master obedience is the master under the new era under grace. Master obedience also wants his his, uh, slaves to obey him. Obeying what? Obey in believing in Jesus to be saved. So uh, keep your finger on, on uh, this passage and let's flip back to chapter 4. Because we see, uh, we see Abraham as our very first example of someone uh, believing. So in chapter 4 verse 3, it says, uh, Abraham believed God and he was credited to him as righteousness. Abraham believed God and he was credited to him as righteousness. See, in this verse, Abraham is righteous because he believed God, not because he was he sacrificed his son, not because he kept kept what God said perfectly, but because he believed in God. So like Abraham, you and I too, when we believe, we too can get righteousness. At the end, God will give all those who follow master obedience, his righteousness, when Jesus returns. God's righteousness is uh, it's like God's perfect 100% standard. And we, if we get it, it's as if we have not sinned before. And we won't get uh, God's punishment of eternal death. So by following master obedience, we can get this righteousness now 
and this righteousness continues into eternity. So there's master sin and master obedience. So the thing about these two masters is that there's uh, no moonlighting involved. Uh, it's, it's like how you can't be, say, a Singtel staff on weekdays and then a Starhub staff on weekends. You can't do that because, see, these two masters want you to do completely opposite things. Master sin wants you to disobey God, wants you to sin against God. Master obedience wants you to obey God by believing in God. So you cannot, you cannot serve master sin when it feels good and then master obedience at other times. So you cannot serve master sin when it comes to, let's say, sleeping with your boyfriend or girlfriend. And then serve master obedience when it's on Sunday and when you have to come to church. See, when this two, with these two masters, you have to serve one or the other. There's no like in between and there's no other master you can serve. So which master should you serve? Master obedience. So flip back uh, to Romans chapter 6. Um, let's look at verse 17. So chapter 6 verse 17 says, But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. We follow master obedience now. Or as verse 17 says, You have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. To follow this teaching that has claimed our allegiance or our loyalty. We are now loyal to master obedience. Master sin doesn't own your allegiance anymore. Well, why not? Why doesn't master sin own your allegiance anymore? Why master obedience? The reason is in verse 18. Uh, verse 18 says, You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. See, the reason is that once you believe in Jesus, you have been set free from that old master, set free from master sin. When you believe in Jesus, God frees us by his grace. And now we are under grace. Our master is master obedience. Our master is God. Friends, you have been set free from sin. So live as people who are right with God. Leave the sinful ways behind. And since we are God's slaves, how good a slave should we be? How good a slave must we be to God? Well, we have to be the best slaves we can ever be. We can be the, we must be the best slaves we can ever be. So that means, let's say, uh, you are slave to, you know, like Minkit or something, right? Okay, let's say Minkit owns slaves, okay, then you are slave to Minkit. Okay, so, uh, uh, as Minkit's slave, you have to work really, really, really hard for Minkit. You have to be obedient to what Minkit says. Right? Right. So one day, yeah. Yeah. So one day, uh, let's say, uh, Master, uh, you know, Poon. Master Poon decides to uh, buy you over, uh, from Master Minkit. Okay, so now, you belong to Master Poon. And as Poon's slave, uh, you must work really, really hard for him. You must be as obedient to him as you were to your first master. And in Paul's example, the first master is sin. Uh, let's look at the second half of verse 19. It says, Just as you used to offer yourselves to sl as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves 
as slaves to righteousness, leading to holiness. Before you believed in Jesus, uh, you were slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness. You were slaves to sin. And you served sin by doing what sin wants. By doing more and more sin. By being more and more wicked. And you did that willingly and obediently. So verse 19 is saying, just as you are willing, just as you are obedient, just as you are diligent uh, in your sin, now be obedient, be willing, be diligent to God. Serve God now. Just as you used to serve sin, serve God now. It's just like uh, changing jobs. So just like uh, how you, let's say we how do you work hard for your old boss in your old company? Now, work hard for your new boss in your new company. See, your new boss didn't hire you so that you can slack off, right? Yeah, it doesn't make sense. So you work hard for your new boss, your new company. But why should I work hard for God? Why should I uh, bother working hard for God? Is there any, any benefit for me? Is there anything in for me compared to sin? Now let's look at verse 20 to verse 23 to help us with that. So verse 20 uh, says, When you are slaves to sin, you are free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God. The benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So friends, from this passage, what benefit did we get from sin? We got nothing. No benefit at all. And it isn't just that you didn't benefit. In fact, verse 21 says, because of sin, as a result of sin, you got death. Eternal death. God's judgment. There's nothing good there. Nothing good to be sin's slave. But what about God's slaves? What benefit do they get? So verse 22 says, the benefit is holiness which results in eternal life. Not eternal death, not God's judgment, but life. Life forever. Life forever with God, our Master. The slaves to sin will get death. Slaves to God will get eternal life. Death or eternal life. So which is, which you think is better? It is, it is eternal life, right? Eternal life is far, far more superior than God's judgment. Far more superior than death. Why do, but why do these uh, two masters result in so vastly different outcomes. Why is it there's such a great uh, disparity, such a great difference in in the benefits? Well, the reason is in verse 23. Verse 23 says, the wages of sin is death. Wages of sin is death. That means if you are sin's slave, then your master's wage or your, uh, what is owed to you, what you need, what you deserve from him, what, you, what is your salary, is death. You deserve death for your sin. But if you are God's slave, that means that you have believed in Jesus to save you. Your free, your free gift is eternal life through Jesus Christ. 
So with uh, eternal life for Christians, it doesn't, re- it doesn't make sense at all for Christians to want to go back to sin. Eternal life is so, so good. Far more superior than the death sin, will pro- sin promises you. So uh, when Christians sin, it means that we are saying, well, eternal life isn't that good after all. Or maybe death is better. Maybe God's judgment is better. But you see how that doesn't make sense. That, that is like completely illogical. It's like saying, I want to escape South Korea to go to North Korea to enjoy my life there. See, that doesn't make sense. So recently I, I read an article about how this girl escaped with her mom from uh, North Korea. And she, uh, then she went to China. Then she went to Mongolia. And then she reached South Korea after a year. So when she first reached South Korea, she said, it was so, so, so good compared to her old life in North Korea where there's, where there's an oppressive regime, where there's widespread poverty. And she said, even the toilets are so much better than her home in North Korea. So this, this is uh, what she said. This toilet is so, so clean. This is the airport. So this toilet is so clean. Uh, do I wash my hands in a toilet bowl? Yeah, so to her, her new life in South Korea is way better than her life in North Korea. So it makes no sense for her to want to ever go back to North Korea. See, the benefits of South Korea is way better than the violence, the death, the oppression in North Korea. That's similar to comparing eternal life and God's judgment. Eternal life for being God's slave is far, far more superior than being sin slave and receiving the death and God's judgment that that are your wages. So why should we live as sin slave? Or why should we live as God slaves? It's because God gives us eternal life. Friends, God gives the better deal. So live as God slaves. Live as God as God slaves. Live as God slaves. So uh, any of you know who Bob Dylan is? He's another really, really old OD. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, he said he sang this song. Okay. Uh, let me read the lyrics for you. You may be a construction worker working on a home. You may be living in a mansion, or you might live in the dome. You might own guns, or you might own tanks. You might be someone's landlord. You might even own banks. You may be a preacher with your spiritual pride. You may be a city. You may be a city councilman taking bribes on the side. You may be working in the barber shop. You may know how to cut hair. You may be somebody's mistress. You may be somebody's heir. But you're going to have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed. You're going to have to serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord. But you're going to have to serve somebody. Friends, no matter what your position in life is, whether you're rich or poor, whether you're studying or working, you're going to have to serve somebody. Either the devil or the Lord. And if you believe in Jesus, then you are going to have to serve the Lord. Offer every part of you for God's use. Offer yourself willingly and diligently as God's slave. Because God's slaves, God's slaves get the superior deal, uh, eternal life.
Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, uh, we pray that may you use your words uh, to speak to us, use your words to challenge us. I pray that uh, show us, uh, convict us, uh, and persuade us that uh, living for you uh, is the best thing ever. It's way better than uh, any other alternative, which is living for sin. And we pray that uh, please show us how uh, how how we can do that practically uh, in our lives this week. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.